Welcome everyone, we're here live in the Peloton. I'm sitting down with Lionel to preview the next episode coming up. Lionel, how are you going, mate? I'm good, thanks, Mitch. I missed Paru Bay at the weekend, I think everyone did. Um, you must have done because you were due to be up in northern France racing. Oh, it killed me. It absolutely killed me, Lionel. Yes, I was looking forward to it so much this year, especially after missing it last year. To have it back in the normal position, I was really, really G'd for it. One year away from it and there was whisper of it, but I just try to ignore it and I just was like, that. Nah, that's okay, it's going to be there, it's going to be there. And then a week out, nah, not happening. So you know what? I just parked the bike up, took a week off. Had a couple of cold beers, as you can imagine, and looking forward to the next part of the season. But let's talk about this episode. I sat down with Tom Pitcock a couple of weeks ago. Everyone must know him. He is the new man on the scene coming out of the UK. If you haven't heard his name, sit back and enjoy this one because he is really taking his first season in the World Tour by storm. And Lionel, has he impressed you as much as everyone thought he was going to be coming onto the scene this year? I think so, yeah. A lot of interest in Tom Pickock simply because he's been a star on the cyclocross scene with Matthew van der Poel and Wout van Aert. You know, very much the third man in that uh, trio of riders racing through the winter. You know, as he's been progressing through the ranks, he's won the Junior Paru Bay, he's won the Espoirs Paru Bay, and he's turned pro on the road. Um, not even at the start of this season because he was still doing the cyclocross, but already he's got some massive results uh, in the bag. Third in Kerner Brussels Kerner, fifth in Strada Bianca, 15th in Milan San Remo, which he talks a little bit about in this podcast, and definitely an impressive debut uh, month or so. Well, we won't ramble along anymore. Sit back and enjoy this one. Tom Peacock talking about his first year in the World Tour, talking about how he got into the sport and hang until the end because he's talking about what he's doing off the bike as well, which I find really interesting. So guys, sit back and enjoy this episode. Alrighty guys, welcome to Life in the Peloton. I'm sitting down here with Tom Pidcock. What an honor, mate. You are a new man on the scene, on the, the world tour scene, but you are very much not an unknown name. And I'm very, very happy to have you on the podcast, mate. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, mate. Yeah, happy to be here. I have to go right back to the beginning with you, mate, because I know your name really well. And I think everyone is starting to get to know your name really well. But I feel like I really want to know who is the man behind the glasses. Who is Tom Pitcock? I want to go back to the beginning. I want to find out about your family and what it was like growing up as a Pitcock. Oh, well, that's a broad question. Um, where should I start? Well, I guess I, I got into cycling because of my my dad, basically. Yeah, he's, he was a cyclist since he was, I think, about 16. He raced in France, World Student Games, so yeah, I mean, he, he rides his bike now. And so naturally I got introduced into cycling as well as, yeah, you know, sports and, uh, and school and that. Yeah, I guess my love for it kind of started from there. You know, I was, I was a little kid. I had to use my head to win races. That was how it started. But I think, yeah, I did, I did win races when I was young and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the social side of it, going to, yeah, the Yorkshire training sessions and going to... The races and you know we kind of all the the regional riders we all sit together and uh, yeah I love that that social life basically all my friends were cyclists so I see them when I was training or racing and and I think yeah it was it was a great 
great great time let's go back let's go back to the family life though what was it like growing up as you know you've got a brother and your old man was yeah. was he a super competitive guy what was it like growing up with your, with your brother were you guys out in the backyard you know playing soccer was your old man out you know riding trying to get you out on the bike or was that just something that organically happened that you were like oh dad dad rides i really want to do that or was it more of a push from up top hey mate because i know my own son he's four years old and whether he likes it or not, he's he he loves bikes now. And I'm I'm starting to think, am I that pushy dad? Am I that guy who's just sort of getting my son out on a bike? Was what was it, what was it like for you guys? Honestly, I don't remember at the start, uh, the very start. But I remember when I was yeah probably yeah older than ten. Every Saturday, my dad went out with his friends to the cafe. Then I started doing the same. You know, I went with my mum, but we drove out and then just rode to the cafe, and we probably did like yeah an hour an hour and a half to the cafe and back but my dad you know would do four or five or whatever and every year like we we drive less we wouldn't drive we wouldn't drive as far so we'd ride further ah. then i'd ride from home then i'd go with my dad and now yeah my dad's script's too slow so uh yeah it, it kind of um yeah it just happened but i remember like every sunday so saturdays was riding and then every sunday like i think yeah, most Sundays, especially in the summer, we always had projects every summer. Like, so one year we built like a, a castle and a fort mm. out of like a mound of uh, mound of soil, and then we put <laughs> turf on it. Yeah. So that was that was the first thing, and then we built a tree house. <laughs> Is this um, you and your brother and your dad, or just you and your dad? Yeah, yeah, me, my brother, and my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Because I always, I distinctly remember. I don't know exactly when it was, but I had to sort of start in cycling like you, except we would drive on family holidays my mum and would drop my dad and i 50k out from when we were staying on our way up north in australia and we would ride the last yeah. 50k in and i remember that yeah. 50k being like oh, am i gonna make it but we had to make it because we we're going one direction we had to get to the place yeah and like fast forward Has it ever happened yeah it was sometimes and i remember breaking down and going i don't know if i'm gonna make it dad and one time dad his derailleur blew out and then i had to ride in on my own and, and tell mum to go back and get dad you know 40k back and, <laughs> and then i remember this is what i want to ask you i don't know when you remember this but at some period there i overtook dad and dad was no longer the guy i was trying to hang on to and you know if he if i wanted to go fast he go get in my wheel son and we go fast and do the last 10k or something and then all of a sudden it was like yeah we'd swap turns then all of a sudden dad was in my wheel and then he couldn't hang on to my you were wheel the one looking after him when did that happen for you can you even remember when that transition i'm trying to think when that happened for me i can't even remember exactly but it was in the first few years i remember it's always a time actually that well for me and my dad it was always a time where he was yeah, not looking forward to the day that I was better than him, mm. you know? It's like, soon you're going to be better than me. Soon you're going to have to look after me. But I think the, the time, like, we have a Lee's Chain Gang every Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. Um, actually, at the start of the 2012 Olympics, this Chain Gang was, like, seventh on the medal table or something after the first week of the 2012 Olympics. What does that, what does that mean? Uh, the Brown Lees, Lizzie Armistead, and uh, we also counted Ed Clancy. All their events had already been, so we had two golds, one silver, one bronze. Ah, right. So we were seventh on the medal table. <laughs> um, anyway, so this was, yeah, I remember like the times like building up for this, like I would, uh, we'd drive there and I'd do it, I'd turn around early and meet them on the way back and eventually, yeah, we'd go around the whole way from home. I think that's the biggest measure of when I was getting better than my dad. <laughs> like he would kind of, 
hang on up the up the shevin we call it, it's hill on the way home yeah like we go all the way around and yeah we could do the hill and there's probably about 10 guys left and we we race the last maybe 5k to the finish from there and then a sprint and uh my dad would often win and then there's a time where yeah i got stronger and then it would just be like me and the brownlees and a few other guys left at the top my, sometimes my dad wouldn't get back on oh no and then i start winning the sprint and uh yeah now my dad's yeah, you can't really keep up, and I'm the one on the front of the Chevin. So. <laughs> putting putting the sword into him. How old do you reckon you were then? Um, I think my dad's pretty good at sprinting, so I think I started beating him in sprints when I was about seventeen, mm-hmm. eighteen. Like at, at the end of a hard ride, like if it was a straight up sprint, I don't think I would have beaten him then. Mm. So that I think probably when I turned junior, I think is when I was, yeah. Yeah, let's fast forward to the current day times um, because I know there's a lot in there to unpack, but I want to go straight to this is now where you're at, entering the world tour, riding for Ineos, arguably the best team in the world. And now, you know, your first season, I know you got a chance to ride in the world championships last year and experience, you know, the top level there, but now you're really feeling what it's like to be in the world tour. And I want to sort of get your your feelings of it like is it is it what you expected is it better is it worse what's it like so far this entering the world tour yeah well honestly i think it's better than i expected and i feel like very at home in enios and i feel like like i'm a part of the world tour already you know mm. like yeah i know a few guys um yeah I can like chat to them after the break's gone and stuff like that yeah and I, and, and at the moment i'm yeah racing so it's been a good transition, really. But I think, yeah, like the first few races, I was just kind of focusing on being like respectful to everyone because I didn't want to be the kid who turns up and, yeah, is, is a dick, you know? So, you know, like if someone wants to go through, I like I let them go through and like I never normally, but, you know, I just don't want to piss anyone off. And now I think, yeah, you, I think, well, you have to be respectful to earn respect, don't you? So, uh, yeah. And were there, any, were there any times where you were in your opinion, you you just did what you did and someone just thought, you know, you weren't weren't being respectful and you got into a little argument. Well, there's some situations so far that you're like, bloody hell, like, I can't really win here because I often find that with myself. You know, you, you're trying to be respectful, but at the end of the day, you're going to cut someone up or they're going to think you're going to cut yeah, someone yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I think now that I'm racing in Belgium and opening weekend, that doesn't matter at all. You know, mm. you have to just fight for every place. It doesn't really matter who, you mm. know. Um, and I think there, no one takes any any offense to it it's just how it is there uh, and also you know at the end of a the end of a race you kind of don't really have any friends you know no. everyone wants to be at the front and you do what you need to do to be there so yeah but no have not not this year i haven't had any any fights but tour of britain when was it i think 20 was it 19 maybe anyway i was in Wiggins and we were everyone was you know in their lines and their teams yeah and we'd we'd set up quite fast after the break had gone and we were like yeah like fourth team in line movie star coming along and like <laughs> Rojas came along and I was the first guy and he was like like next barging into me like he wanted the space we never said anything to each other but he he was and I wasn't moving and then he was getting real pissed off and he like pushed me onto the grass or something with his hand or just like the way he moved you? Yeah, 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 with his hand or, or maybe even kicked me. I don't, or maybe that was some other guy in this junior race. <laughs> um, you? How, how do you world. kick someone? You're unclipping. Oh, it was impressive. 
I'll tell you that story next. Um, but um, so uh, so I wasn't having it. I was I was fuming. I was like, yeah, I know I'm riding for a Conti team, but you can't just be such a dickhead. Yeah. And um, I come along back, and and then I'm like, I push him out of the way. And I'm like, no, I'm going here. And then he gets really fuming, and then Ben Swift sees it, and he's riding for GB. And yeah, he said leave it. So we went behind them. Because like it sounds like to me like in that situation, a lot of guys, young guys, would be quite intimidated by that, you know. And that's what I wanted to get to about entering the world tour. Were there were there moments where you have been coming and you're riding next to you know potential idols of yours that you've looked up to over the years, or guys that you just saw as big riders? Have you been intimidated so far coming in and doing like the biggest races? Because not only have you been doing the biggest races, but you've also been performing in the biggest races right up there at Strata Bianchi, you know, opening weekend also, you know, San Remo as well. So like, are you feeling intimidated ever in these races by other riders? Um, No, because I, I think doing cross and racing the elite and cross for the last two years with Matthew and Wout, it's kind of, well, they're the two biggest riders in the one-day races at the moment, mm. and Alaphilippe, you know? And I think I'm already used to racing them. Mm. And actually, when they're racing, I feel more comfortable that I can be with them as well because I know them pretty well, I would say, mm. and I can compare myself to them really well. So actually, no, I, I've kind of been done that already, you know? What's your relationship like with those two guys? It's good. Yeah, we have mutual respect. I mean, yeah, Van Aert chasing me down and Sam Remo and... Both of them working together to chase me down in Namur this year in the cross race. It shows they have respect for me, you know. And yeah, we always yeah have good chats after the races and stuff. So yeah, pretty good relationship, I say. Well, seeing if you segued across the cr- to cross, I did want to speak about that later. But let's just go straight into it because I want to talk about cross. And I'm a pretty much a go mad when it comes to cyclocross. I've really got interested in it, and I'm a super fan in the last couple of years just watching you guys. I love it. Yeah. And I've got a chance to talk to Heino, Heinrich Hausler, who for yeah. me was on the inside, someone I could actually go, hey, mate, what's actually happening? I don't even understand, you know, what's going on? Um, but he could only give his opinion from the back. And yeah. with no disrespect yeah. to Heino, it's a different opinion to what you guys have. And I want to talk to you about Cross itself and just help me understand and help everyone else understand what it is like on that start line as the as it's counting down and I see you guys it looks like to me that you're pretty calm and I get pretty nervous on the start of a, a criterium start which the start is important but it's not as important as a cross tell me about the start of mm. a cross race I think now recently it's not nearly as stressful or or anything but like I remember yeah when I was a junior under 23 when the start line is there when you're on the front row and yeah, especially at the start of the season, you know, when it's warm and you're actually, you don't have that many clothes on, so you haven't got that much to do. Like in a cold race, you, you get there and you're you're wrapped up and you're just you're trying to stay warm. And then you take your clothes off and run it to go. But like at the start of the year when it's warm, you know, and you start stood there for a few minutes and you old know, people taking photos and, and then it's like, yeah, I just, I just want to start, mm-hmm. you know. Once you start, it's fine. You know, you're just racing easy but waiting to start is actually one of the worst things ever like you know build up to a big race the days before it's just like oh, when i start you know um like time trials as well but what's that what's that when, i guess when the gun goes off and you guys sprint down there and 
Are you saving anything or is it all in? That first sprint to that first corner, are you, are you, is there any tactics there? Cause from, I, look, from the line, yeah, it's flat out the yeah. first few pedal there, as fast as you can, clipping as fast as you can. I've done a lot of, I've, I've, well, I, mean, I wouldn't say I've done a lot of work, but I've improved a lot because my starts used to be terrible. And now actually they're pretty decent. Yeah, it's about you got to clip in as fast as you can and get in front of everyone on the start line. And then you see what everyone else is doing, not like looking around, but you just kind of feel mm. it. And then it kind of cruises, like coasts, and then everyone sprints again into the corner. But honestly, I don't think the starts are so important. I mean, if you get the corner first, yeah, five, ten riders, it's it's fine, you know? But um, You don't want to be where Heino yeah, is, though, at the back. No, 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 you, you're pretty screwed. I mean, that's where that's where I was after uh, Insolder, the start. I come down, that's the start, longest straight, start-finish straight of the any race. And you're flying down there and you go into the hairpin at the end and these guys crash in front of me and I'm just at the back and then I have to fight you way through for the whole rest of the race and it's not fun. Um, Do you enjoy that challenge though, like picking guys off and making your way back to the front or you like just being at the front racing with the top three guys and trying to smash each other? I've always liked coming back through. I I like riding hard, like consistent. I like those those courses more. Mm. The explosive ones where it's like full gas sprint, then recover full gas sprint. I find those ones harder, but you know, obviously I'm quite small, so now I don't have the same explosiveness as some guys. Do you enjoy them when you get to courses like oh. Koppen, Koppenberg and stuff like that, where you're like, okay, boys, let's see what happens yeah. here? Yeah, the, the, I, do, I do enjoy the hard courses, the hilly ones. Uh, this year I didn't do Koppenberg, but yeah, last year I was second. Um, but I was going to say about the picking people off. That's mm. how cross start for me abroad. Because I was always at the back and uh, in the juniors, and I I just had to yeah fight my way through everyone. And uh, to be fair, when you start at the back, it's quite good fun because you know when you should be at the front, starting at the front, you're just weaving through people. Mm. It's quite uh, it can quite be quite fun. I was just thinking, it's like it's almost like an element of the pressures off. You're like, well, you know what? Anywhere I go from here is going to be positive, and so you're almost riding a real sort of relax sort of like hey i'm just going to pick my way through and ultimately you could probably yeah, true, finish yeah. better than you would be at the front you're like i should be at the front you're stressing out you lose two positions and you know next thing you know you're like yeah yeah, yeah. what the hell hino's yeah, the, coming the- past me what's hino doing up here you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, i think he uh I, I saw him at uh dendam on the world cup yeah and he was like i don't i, don't, I can't remember what he said but he said like is this normal or something? And like this course was the first time we'd raced there and it was, it was proper muddy. So the field was super muddy. There's one that Wout Van Aert won by three minutes. I didn't finish. I had a real off day. I was terrible. I couldn't even pedal. And, and the mounds were super muddy and your, your foot would go in so far down that your knee would be at the ground level. And these mounds, like they weren't compacted at all. It was really weird. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a terrible cost. Are there any tactics in the race? Because from the naked eye, it looks like whoever's the strongest wins, unless you have another teammate there. But for you, you didn't have any other teammates. So are there any tactics you can play apart from, you know, feeling good or not feeling good and sitting? Do you even get a sit? You know, what are the tactics? It's kind of like a crit, you know, like being into the, the corners first and... Yeah, staying near the front, especially into key sections, the way you'd lose time, uh, where it's string out like sand or anything. But it's not 
so tactical, really. Um, and I'm someone who likes to lead from the front, like take my own lines, because I kind of ride at a different speed to everyone else. Like I, I kind of do it differently. Like they, the typical cross rider, they would sprint out the corner and then go in the car, like kind of hold it to the, the to the next corner. Mm. Whereas I would come out the corner and then build up my speed until the next corner. So I kind of ride a bit differently. Does anyone? Um, so I like kind of being different. Does anyone else ride like you, or are you sort of a one out? Like when you say typical cross rider, is that literally everyone else, or is that like Walt Van Aert or like? No, like the guys who just do cross. Yeah, right. I would say Wow and and Machi ride more like me. Uh, They ride like the full straight, whereas cross riders are just like get the speed and then kind of coast to the corner, you know? Tell me about this running. Now, everyone might have heard or seen this, and you probably answered a few questions about this, this 5K record. (laughs) And let's just talk about running in general because I also heard another story about when you were down at Tenerife taking a Strava up this uphill challenge too. Tell me a little bit about your running side of things and how much of this speed and how good you are as a runner, how much of that is true and how much you enjoy running? Yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoy running. I haven't run in a while because yeah, I got a bit of a thing in my knee. But yeah, I, I, I enjoy running and, and yeah, this this 5K, I, we were saying, well, I was saying on winter, yeah, after the season, I'm going to do a 5K, see if I can break 15 minutes. So I go out on a Sunday, you know, my off in my time off at home. Yeah, I just go run five k. I come home, see it's uploaded, but it says thirteen and a half minutes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm pleased, you know, I'm gassed. That's that's sick. Um, I, I put it on social media, and then everyone's like analyzing it, thinking <laughs> either thinking you're you should go to the Olympics or you're cheated. And I'm like. Well, chill. I've just uh, I've just been for a run on a Sunday, just trying to just do it for a bit of fun. And I was thinking these people saying I've cheated. I was like, what the hell? Why are you just? And uh, anyway, I I don't think it is accurate. So I do want to do it again. But you know, all these like runners saying like you're just you're damaging the sport, you you're cheating and. Uh, well, tell us anyway. tell us about this uphill. Strava that you took down in Tenerife at the end of the training camp. Is this true? I heard this from an inside source. Yeah, so, so the last day of training camp, all the staff, staff had been trying to get this KOM and they tried with five staff and they put their watch in a, in a music bag <laughs> and they were doing relays up the, doing a relay up the hill. I think it was four and a half K or something. Anyway, so I say on, around the last day of the camp, I think it was a few days before the to like the last World Cup of the season or something. But I didn't want to ride my bike. I just thought I'd go for a run. So I go for a run and I take the KOM by 20 seconds. I beat them by like 50 seconds. <laughs> um, up this, up this uh, yeah, four, it was about was it 20 minutes-ish. It was about 20 minutes up the climb. And um, so I beat them and they're all like, what the hell? <laughs> um, and then they try again with 10 guys. <laughs> and, they, and then they're... 20 seconds behind me so yeah what is it when you're doing these these let's say let's talk about this running let's talk about cross let's talk about these high intensity sort of efforts you know it's so different to like road racing it's it's just high intensity what is going through your mind in these efforts is it just pure like competition i want to win i want to beat these guys or you just like the hurt you know because i know like when i'm doing this stuff it's like there's something that changes in my mind in the moment 
it's hurting like hell, but I sort of enjoy it in a weird way. I don't know, like, and I'm assuming like this is at my at my level, and then you're like that that next level above. You know, like these efforts that you're doing, like a cross race. Heiner was telling me cross racing is like nothing you can imagine. You you reach 15 lactate by that first corner, and it's like, okay, you've done one minute of the race, 59 minutes to go. This <laughs> this ability to hurt yeah. yourself, what is that? I would much rather go out and do six, seven hours general riding, you know, than go out and do a do a cross session. Mm. Um, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't enjoy the high intensity training that much. You know, I don't mind it. I, I like it when I'm going really well. You know, in the summer, mm. when you're doing this, when you're doing, yeah, big effort day, and you're going well, and it feels great. Uh, but in the winter, you know, it's cold and you go cross training and you've got to do standing starts and one lap full of gas and it's just like, oh. and I can never, ever go as hard as I can in a race. There's not even near, you know? Yeah, I think once, you, once you're once you racing, you don't really feel the pain. You just, you only really feel your legs, you know? Like you just kind of, well, everyone, everyone knows, you know, when you're in a competition, it's different. Mm. Um, and yeah. So I just and the and the running I just I just enjoy doing that. That's just like a new challenge, you know. So let me talk about some little results here, and I want to link these results together. In two thousand and seventeen, you were still a junior, and you won junior Paris Roubaix. In the same year, you won the National Criterium Champs, the National Scratch Race on the track, the Time Trial, the Junior Worlds, and then you won the Worlds on Cyclocross. So we've got. Road racing, but it's not normal road racing. We've got Roubaix. Everyone knows Roubaix is a special race. Then you've got a criterium, another discipline. Then you've got track. Then you've got time trial on the road. And then you've got cyclocross. Going on, 219, you win the Espoir Roubaix again. So it's the next level up, under 23. Also cyclocross world champs. 220, you go another step. You go, you know what? I'm going to try stage racing out. I win the Baby Giro, plus four stages. The Mountain Bike World Champs, the E-Mountain Bike World Champs, and Cyclocross again. So what I want to ask about all this is is so many different disciplines, right? How do you even train for this? You know, like I don't mind going out on the gravel bike and smashing it or doing something else, but ultimately when it comes down to it, going for a cheeky run, when it comes down to it, I do my real work on the road because I'm a road rider. Yeah. But how do you combine all these things? Is there a way to do it or it's just, I don't know. Tell me about that. Well, I do, I do definitely specify it according to what's coming up, you know? Like at the moment, I'm riding my road bike and I, I rode my mountain bike to do some testing and I rode my TT bike a little tiny bit. Um, but then I'll have mountain bike coming up after the Ardennes and I'll switch to just mountain bike and road with a bit of TT. Um, I always kind of keep the TT in there because it's, it's kind of much more specific with the position. Mm. Um, so it's good to kind of maintain it. But yeah, the, at the end of the day, a bike's got two wheels and you, and you use, and it's got the same five contact points, your two hands, your feet and your ass. So mm. it's kind of, the, kind of the same, isn't it? Um, so yeah. Is there that, is there that element of like, I just want to explore the different sports and I want to just try and conquer them or they just sort of, it just happens without you thinking about it. Like the feeling I get from, 
um, Mathieu Vanderpol is he. I could be completely wrong here, but he wants to conquer all the sports. You know, he wants to be the best in the on the mountain bike. Wants to be best on the road, the best, you know, cross rider, so on and so forth. Is that what it is about for you, or it's just it's just sort of like that could be cool. I might just give that a shot, and then ultimately you were really good at it. Um, well, I've always ridden every you know bike, and I've kind of always been the best at like riding every bike, like. You know, whether it's my friends or in you know races in Britain or whatever, you know. Um, apart from track, the track I uh, did it with the academy. Um, you know, the BC Academy mm. is a heavy in, on the track, and and that's how that came about. And you know, I was I was never actually the best. I didn't really like it to be honest. I kind of my goal is to become the best, the biggest cyclist in the world. You know, I don't really care like cyclist, what not specific. And, you know, I would, I would happily go do a downhill World Cup. You know, I am confident in myself that I'd actually be pretty decent at it as well if I wanted to be. So uh, I like dangerous things. I like things, yeah, adrenaline. Riding your bike slow doesn't give you any sense of danger or adrenaline, does it? So, well, what 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 motivates you now? Like, and I'm talking about your generation because. It's slightly different as being an older pro now. It's changed. For me, it was all about the guys I looked up to, you know, before me were the classics riders of Tom Boone and, you know, these guys, even before that, Andrea Taffy. These are the guys I wanted that to emulate. I wanted to be on the cobblestones of Roubaix. I wanted to do that. I love the image of that. But going across all these disciplines and the way that cycling sort of morphed into a new, slightly, I wouldn't say a new sport, but we're racing differently, very differently to back in those days. What is something that motivates you now? Is it still the same thing? Is it looking up at these riders, the British riders or, you know, idols, Peter Sagan, these guys, you want to be like these riders or it's something different? Like you said, you just want to be, you're just good at this stuff and you just want to race bikes. I mean... For sure, growing up watching Brad and Cav, yeah, in the tour, that was like I love you know sitting down when I get home from school and watching the finish of the Tour de France stage, and and that was really cool, you know, watching them mm. and and what watching Cav, um, we go sorry, finish the Olympic time trial. That's one of the best videos for me, yeah, ever. You know, the crowds made you proud to feel British, you know. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's things that don't make me feel proud, like Brexit and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of it's it's who I am. It doing you know, cycling. It's it's how I. It's where I can be the most myself. Mm. You know, that's that's why. And, and now I guess it's turned into a job. So now it's how I earn money and I live. You know, <laughs> but um, it's a job you love to do, yeah. and that, and everyone goes through that transition. I speak about that. It's it was a passionate start, and there was that's all there was. I'm just riding my bike, but then ultimately it slightly transitions into this is a job that I love to do, um, and yeah. that's got all yeah. different elements of it too throughout your career. I'm sure you'll find out. Tell me now. I want to go back and talk about early club culture and the cycling culture in Yorkshire. Tell me what that means to you. And, you know, we had the Worlds there. So tell me about that culture there because I was there at that Worlds and I did Tour of Yorkshire once too. It's awesome, this feeling. And I wanted, I don't know whether this is this idea of your app has sort of developed because 
this i this culture there in in the cycling culture in Yorkshire is really special and was this something that helped you develop into a into the to the cycling that you're in now and you know that love for it and also has that sort of in the back of your mind gone wow we had all these great chain gangs these group rides this is something now yeah. i want to develop outside of the bike yeah. and this has sort of led to the app yeah that's a really good one yeah yeah, I think you probably hit the nail on the head there, you know. The culture in Yorkshire is, you know, like when I was saying about earlier about, yeah, the cafe that we go to, like it's called Cav Pav Cavendish Pavilion, it's in Bolton Abbey. Like there are several group rides that meet there, you know. There's mm. like the one that my dad went on. There's a one that goes straight there. There's now the women's one that my mum and my girlfriend now go on. Well, not now because no one can do anything now. Um, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it it's there's a culture of everyone knows each other and you know, everyone goes there on Saturday, they've been at work all, all week, like with my dad's friends and you know, they go have yeah, just a good time telling stories and you know, I, I loved sitting there as a kid and just listening to all the adults talk, you know. Now, you know, there's so many different groups and, and things that hundred percent it relates to the app. Being able to make it more accessible for everyone, mm. and easier for us as like not not just pros, but also you know keen cyclists to, and also beginners to connect. You know, well, tell me a little bit about how it works. Link my ride. It's from what I understand, it's like you can literally scroll through. And I mean, you know, I'm in Yorkshire, and I'm like, you know what? I actually want to just go to the beginner's ride today because I'm not feeling that good. I had a few too many beers last night and I want to just roll around. Is that sort of how it works or you can click on the professional group or run me through the yeah. app, the whole idea? It's like a bit like Zwift in real life. So there's a there's a page with a map on. Mm-hmm. It will show you cafes, different group rides, also sportifs. You can find sportifs on there which we're going to be uh, running one actually in 1st of August uh, to kind of yeah, promote the app. We're going to do that in Yorkshire as well. And yeah, so it, so you go in there. You can either scroll through the list of events in like chronological order. You go on the map, you can filter it through ability, uh, distance from your location, all this stuff. And yeah, you, you can find group rides to go on. And then if you, well, you've got an account, it's free to free to download it's gonna be free for at least a year we think um you can create an account you can find people on there you can send them an invite you can go for a ride with just one person Mm. you can create a group like whatsapp groups that you'd have and and if you well you can create a ride and show that to just that group and anyone on there can yeah accept it You, you can put the gpx on it and put it onto your garmin so it kind of just puts it all in one place, really. And then the cafes, you know, we're going to have be able to have riders recommend the cafes. Ah, so like add them on there so they can find the best cafes. So you know, yeah. in Girona, there's there's a there's good cafes. You know, federal uh, horse category. I, I, you know better than me. Yeah. And you know, the app will show the best ones with the reviews. You know. Yeah, nice. So it's all in one place, and you know, you can just do like Mitch's seven thirty a.m. ride from horse category or espresso mafia let's meet up there let's let's roll out from there and can you do like an annual ride and just sort of 
check out how many people are yeah. going to turn up and you know you go well there's 50 people coming to that ride i might join that ride is that the yeah. sort of feel it is yeah exactly and and you can you can set recurring when you can set one every day hmm. you know you can, Mitch, you can Mitch's training and just people rock up to my house every day and we all just roll on my yeah, program. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You can, have all, you can have company every single day. Awesome. Um, if, if, it, if it takes off, you know, I, I think it should it should be something that can help people. You know, I, there's a massive boom in cycling and there's so many new riders who, you know, may not last in the spot, you know, the retention rate might not last, you know, after lockdown and things because, you know, the, the new reality, well, the reality of riding on the by themselves will wear off, you know, mm. the, the excitement of it will, will go. And I think, yeah, with the app, they, they can find other people like themselves and, and create, you know, a friendship group, a social group like I had when I was, you know, under 16 to go riding with. And yeah, people, more people are going to be cycling, more bums on bikes. Perfect, mate. Well, I really like it and I'm looking forward to seeing that launch because I think aside from the app itself, I love that, you know, at your age, you're already thinking outside the box and you're like, okay, I'm only just starting cycling, but I do need to think about that life. That'll eventually happen in, you know, 20 years time when I retire, when I'm 45. But I like it. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a passion of yours. Like you said, it's, it's stemmed from that Yorkshire cycling culture life. And you're like, how can I make that happen all over the world? Um, and I think it, it's been nice to catch up with you today, mate, and just sort of unravel a little bit of who you are. So we're, now we're watching you sort of dance out of the seat in the coming races. We can uh, understand where it's all happened from. Well, there we have it. Tom Pitcock, unraveled, uncovered. Discover who he is a little bit. Did you learn anything about him, Lionel? I know he's from over there, UK. He's one of your men. What did you find out about Tom in this episode? Well, I think the thing that really came home to me was how he's a product of the British cycling boom, isn't he? I mean, Tom Pitcock is 21 years of age now, so he's born in July, the end of July 1999, and so would have been a teenager when Bradley Wiggins won the Tour de France, and then Chris Froome, of course, uh, took over and won the first of his uh, several tours. So getting into cycling, I know he talks there about how he's... Uh, inherited the love of cycling from particularly his father um but you know what a great time to be discovering the sport and and having that pathway through the ranks i tell you what was funny for me was one one thing i'm really not loving about the COVID times at the moment there's a million things but one thing especially in the podcast world is the reason why i got into podcasting was to sit down and talk with people face to face i love that interaction and in recent times, I'm not getting that chance to sit face-to-face with people. Most of the podcasts, as you guys can probably hear, are done online through Zoom, through whatever internet sort of Skype call there is. And the first time I got to meet Tom Pitcock was on a Zoom call. And it, I had this built-up perception of him just from watching him in the cross-season, hearing his name floating around. I thought, ah, what is this guy going to be like, you know? And I thought he was going to be this arrogant guy and... The best part about the podcast was he broke those barriers down for me and I really got to see who he was. And he's just he's just another guy, you know, lo and behold, a great young guy who's really confident and ready to race and hit the scene. And that's what I loved about it. And 
In the talking luft I did with him afterwards, it was even funnier. We got in there, started to have a go at him. We're chuckling along. And he's a guy I could imagine sitting down having a beer with. I hope there is going to be a chance sometime in the future. So when you get to race in the same peloton with him, you can, you know, give him a tap on the shoulder and he'll, he'll let you through now, I guess. Well, I don't know about that, Lionel. Once once we pull the once we pull the nicks on, it's a different story. And probably I'll be tapping him on the shoulder in the neutral zone before he takes off and uh, you know floats away with the front runners. But you know what? I'll be able to tap him on the shoulder without uh, getting into too much trouble and say hello. I'm looking forward to it anyway. We still haven't seen each other face to face since that uh, last interview. Well, like I said, next week there's a talking look with Tom Pitcock. In two weeks' time, I'll be back here on the Cycling Podcast with another guest. So, guys, until then, hang in. Thanks for all the feedback. Cheers. You have been listening to Life in the Peloton. The producer of this episode was Will Jones. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Thanks, mate.